Hello and welcome. This is Bill Van Arsdell for Radio I. Today I will be reading from the AARP Bulletin and Magazine, dated August 20th, 2022. As a reminder, Radio I is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. And the first story is Landmark Bill to Cut Prescription Drug Prices Signed into Law. AARP CEO hails passage and says measure will bring relief to millions. President Joe Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 on August 16th. This historic legislation will help millions of Medicare enrollees better afford their life-sustaining medications, and millions more Americans will be able to pay their Affordable Care Act premiums. This law finally delivers on a promise that was made for decades to the American people, allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices, said Biden, who was flanked by several senators and House members and an audience that included cabinet secretaries, staff, and supporters in the state dining room at the White House. Because of this law, Biden said, seniors are going to pay less for their prescription drugs, and 13 million people are going to continue to save an average of $800 a year on health insurance because the law extends expanded subsidies on ACA policies. With most lawmakers away from Washington, D.C. on an August recess, a celebratory signing ceremony has been scheduled for September 6th at the White House. In addition to its health care components, the sweeping law includes some elements of Biden's Build Back Better initiative, including investments in energy and climate solutions, and makes a number of corporate tax law changes. AARP has fought hard to lower prescription drug prices for decades, AARP CEO Joanne Jenkins said in a statement after the bill signing. This is one of the most important pocketbook issues for older Americans, across political aisles and across the country. We have made our voice loud and clear. Drug prices have been out of control and enough is enough. The new law passed the U.S. Senate on August 7th in a 51-50 vote, with Vice President Harris breaking the tie. The measure then cleared the House 220 to 207 on August 12th. The Inflation Reduction Act, for the first time, authorizes Medicare to negotiate the prices of some high-cost prescription drugs with pharmaceutical companies, puts an annual $2,000 limit on how much Part D prescription drug plan members will have to pay out of pocket for their medications, and levies tax penalties on drug makers that increase product prices by more than the rate of inflation. The new law also caps the cost of Medicare-covered insulin at $35 a month and eliminates out-of-pocket costs for most vaccines under Medicare. And the next headline is, How Medicare Prescription Price Negotiations Will Work, Which Drugs May Be Targeted First, and When Beneficiaries Could See Savings. When Congress added a prescription drug benefit to Medicare nearly two decades ago, the bill explicitly prohibited the program from negotiating with pharmaceutical companies for the prices of the life-sustaining drugs that millions of enrollees take every day. AARP has made the argument for many years that with more than 50 million Americans getting their medications through Medicare, if the program was allowed to negotiate prices, the power of those numbers would yield a much better deal for Medicare beneficiaries and for taxpayers, who ultimately foot the bill for the lion's share of the medication costs. When we talk about the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, 
The core component is the Medicare negotiation, says Bill Sweeney, AARP Senior Vice President for Government Affairs. That is the long-term solution to the problem that we've been seeing for decades, which is out-of-control prescription drug prices. ABCs of Price Negotiations To start, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, will identify the 100 medicines that Medicare spends the most on and then decide which qualify to be in the first group of 10 drugs whose prices will be negotiated. Those qualifications are the drugs can't have any direct competitors. That means there is no generic equivalent and it's a biologic drug. There can't be a biosimilar product. A biologic drug is a complex medication typically used to treat cancers and other serious illnesses. And the medications must have been on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's approved list for many years. That threshold is nine years for what are called small molecule drugs, medicines you typically get at the pharmacy and take in pill form. Biologics must have been approved for 11 years to be eligible for negotiation. These two rules are the reason why some of the costliest drugs may not be among the first to have their price negotiated. Here's a look at some of the medications that, as of now, could qualify for the first batch. Eliquis, used to treat atrial fibrillation. Medicare spent more on this medicine in 2020, $9.9 billion, than on any other single drug, and more than 2.6 million beneficiaries took the medicine. Januviate, used to treat diabetes. Medicare spent $3.9 billion on this in 2020, and nearly 935,000 enrollees took this drug. Extandi, a cancer medicine. Medicare spent $2 billion on this in 2020, and 26,490 people took it. Mirbetric, which treats overactive bladder. Medicare spent $1.7 billion on this in 2020, and about 600,000 people took the drug. Orencia, used for rheumatoid arthritis. Medicare spent $1 billion to treat 29,764 enrollees. When will drug prices go down? The first negotiated prices will take effect in 2026 for drugs covered under Medicare Part D plans. These are the prescriptions you typically fill at your pharmacy. For medications covered under Part B, which pays for doctor visits, diagnostic tests, and other outpatient services, such as chemotherapy and other drug infusions at a hospital or doctor's office, negotiated prices will take effect in 2028. Here's the full rollout schedule. 2026, a maximum of 10 drugs will be negotiated. 2027, another maximum of 15 drugs will be negotiated. 2028, another maximum of 15 drugs will be negotiated. And 2029, Another maximum of 20 drugs will be negotiated this year and every year after that. What if drug makers don't play ball? Under the new law, if the maker of a drug that was selected for negotiation walks away from the table, the government could levy a tax of up to 95% of their sales from the previous year. The idea behind that tax is to give the pharmaceutical companies a strong incentive to participate in the negotiation process. The stakes are high. An analysis by the Nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, CBO, estimates that the provision allowing for drug price negotiations alone 
could save Medicare nearly $102 billion over 10 years. The analysis also debunked claims that drug negotiation would stifle pharmaceutical innovation and lead to far fewer new drugs being developed. According to CBO's forecast, of the 1,300 new drugs expected to be approved over the next 30 years, just 15 wouldn't come to market as a result of the new law. The next article is Several Ways to Practice Self-Care. Try these easy strategies to help you improve your mood and your health. Self-care is often misunderstood. It may be thought of as indulgent, suggesting images of bubble baths, shopping sprees, or special treats. But true self-care, science shows, is essential. It can have a lasting and beneficial impact on your mental state. So how do we find truly beneficial practices? Look to science. Here we outline some self-care strategies geared toward helping you feel well, too. There is value in the benefit they bring, but most don't cost a thing. One, bust a move. Hop up and groove to your favorite song whenever the mood strikes. Dancing sock-footed and carefree in the middle of the living room offers a great way to reset your mood for the better and burn some calories in the process. Plus, your gray matter will thank you. Research suggests dancing can improve neuroplasticity and even reverse signs of aging in the brain. We're partial to Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship, but if you need inspiration, head over to our musician-curated Spotify playlist page. Two, sink into that beach read, or pick up Ulysses by James Joyce. Go ahead and escape from your stressful to-do list by diving into that juicy mystery, syrupy romance, or thought-provoking novel while telling yourself it's time well spent. Recent research suggests the more you read, the better your language skills are likely to be. This is especially true when fiction is read. Another study in the United Kingdom found that just six minutes of reading can reduce stress. Need more reasons to pick up a book? Participating in intellectual activities like reading has been linked to lower risk of dementia in later life. And reading for at least 30 minutes each day may lead to a longer life expectancy, as one 2016 study suggests. Three, schedule those health care appointments. Overdue for a vision or hearing screen? Behind on scheduling your latest mammogram or colonoscopy? You're not alone. Nearly one-third of Americans ages 50 to 80 delayed or couldn't make in-person health care appointments due to the pandemic, according to a recent national poll on healthy aging conducted by the University of Michigan Institute for Healthcare Policy and Innovation. Now that many offices accept in-person visits, it's time to get back up to date on all your preventive health care appointments. Four, get into beekeeping or learn how to brew beer. Research has shown that finding a new hobby can bolster mental health and emotional well-being by helping your brain focus on something immediate and tangible, rather than the nagging worries in your head. Anhedonia, the inability to feel pleasure in activities, is a common symptom of depression and can sometimes hinder our push to start something. You might have been asked by your doctor or therapist if you're partaking in any hobbies. In fact, social prescribing is a treatment method primarily done in the United Kingdom where patients with mild to moderate depression 
are encouraged to consider taking up a hobby for mental health benefits. And with good reason. Hobbies affect our brain's reward system. So even if you're not feeling up to it, pick up that paintbrush, learn a few new chords on your guitar, or enroll in the Neighborhood Kickball League. Your brain will thank you. Five, treat yourself to an electric toothbrush. You've got to brush at least twice daily, so why not make it enjoyable by splurging on an electric toothbrush? Decades of studies have consistently shown electric toothbrushes to be better at fighting both gingivitis and plaque when compared to regular manual toothbrushes. Not only will your teeth feel cleaner, many higher-end electric models have timers to make sure you're brushing for the recommended two minutes and sensors to ensure you don't overbrush. Researchers have repeatedly found links between oral health and overall health. One 2019 study found that brushing teeth frequently is linked with lower risks of atrial fibrillation and heart failure, while another suggested gum disease may play a role in the development of Alzheimer's disease. Take at least four minutes a day to keep your smile looking beautiful. Your whole body will thank you. Six, head outdoors for a bath. Okay, not that kind of bath. This is a new take on an old idea. Make time to get outside each day be it in your backyard, a nearby park, or the closest forest. Numerous studies have outlined the positive physical and mental health benefits of so-called forest bathing, based on the Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku. Even taking just 20 minutes out of your day can improve mood, reduce levels of cortisol, the so-called stress hormone in the body, lower blood pressure, and potentially improve immune function. When we go into the woods, we give our nervous systems a bit of a break because we're able to find more stillness and quiet. Science tells us that when we breathe in compounds from plants, including phytoncides and terpenes, that supports our immune system, says Jessica Bain Robert, an administrator at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts, who teaches a college class on mindful choices. Outside, it's easier to slow down, lose yourself in your surroundings, and become much more self-aware, says Robert, who also operates Barred Owl Retreat in Leicester, Massachusetts, where outdoor exploration is encouraged. Seven, learn a new way to breathe. You've been breathing your whole life, so you probably think you're an expert. Think again. Author James Nestor argues most of us are breathing incorrectly in his 2020 bestseller, Breath, the New Science of a Lost Art. The ideal way to oxygenate our bodies, he writes, is to breathe in for about five to six seconds, then exhale for about five to six seconds. Don't get stressed if you're a second or two short or long. Just relax your breathing and thus relax your mind and body. The goal here is light, deep, and slow breathing, roughly five to six breaths per minute, rather than the typical 10 to 20 breaths per minute most people take. Known as resonance breathing, the practice sinks your breathing and heart rate, often leading to a reduced blood pressure, mental clarity, and a sense of calm. Many apps are available to guide your breathing. You can download a timed breathing app like iBreathe, the breathing app, or My Life Meditation. Mindfulness to get started. Eight, find new sources for gratitude. The last time you bought a cup of coffee, 
you likely thanked the barista, but did you reach out to the coffee bean farmer to say thanks as well? In writing Thanks a Thousand, journalist and author A.J. Jacobs went on a gratitude journey to thank every person who had a role in producing his morning coffee. My gratitude project had a deep impact on me and really helped change my worldview, Jacobs says. It helped me realize the hundreds of things that go right every day instead of focusing on the three or four that go wrong. Adopting this mindset can pay big dividends, both physically and mentally. When people prioritize gratitude, they feel more hopeful, less depressed, and even more generous. If you're good at feeling grateful, you'll also likely notice reduced stress, better sleep quality, and stronger relationships. Thankful thinking may even help reduce pain and inflammation and lower blood pressure. 9. Dine without the wine One 2018 study showed that a majority of participants in dry January, who gave up drinking for one month, reported lasting benefits even months later, including lower overall alcohol consumption, noticeable weight loss, and a boost in energy. But why wait until January? You can give up booze any month of the year. Need inspiration? Browse online recipes for alcohol-free mocktails, find encouragement in the growing genre of quit-lit, or look for alcohol-free meetups in your area. 10. Take a social media break. If you're finding your attention span isn't what it used to be, or that you frequently check on a new post to see how many likes you've gotten, you might benefit from a social media break. Chrissy Hodges, a Colorado-based mental health advocate and author of Pure OCD, The Invisible Side of Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder, sensed she was developing an unhealthy relationship with social media during the pandemic. I was losing my ability to connect with the people who were right in front of me, says Hodges. To address it, she now abstains from Facebook and Instagram between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., so she can be more focused and present in her day-to-day life. If you feel intimidated by an all-day limit, start small. Perhaps put the phone away an hour before bedtime or during meals. If checking your phone is your routine every hour or every few minutes, just think about reducing that and seeing what it feels like, Hodges suggests. 11. Say no more often. Give yourself the freedom and space to say no to social demands that don't inspire or fulfill you. Are you feeling pressured to attend after-hour socials with colleagues when you'd really prefer some quiet reading time at home? Allow yourself to politely decline and feel good about prioritizing alone time. By declining opportunities that aren't a fit, you're making space in your life to say yes to those that are. One of the most important parts of self-care is personalizing it to what makes you feel your best. It takes some trial and error, but honoring myself and saying no to the things that don't light me up is a critical part of the journey, says Sidney Nordquist, a work-from-home mom of two who lives in Michigan and blogs about self-care. Twelve, live like a super-ager. Super-agers are defined by science as individuals over age 80 whose memory performance is as good as a typical 50- or 60-year-old. But how do they do it? Start by keeping your brain challenged and learning at every age, 
suggests Emily Rogalski, a professor and neuroscientist at Northwestern University, who specializes in superaging research. Learning novel new things is more important, likely, than the specific type of activity itself, Rogalski says pointing to research that showed relatively equivalent cognitive benefit when people either learn to knit or learn to do photography. The brain likes to be challenged, she says. 13. Be more social. In addition to keeping their minds engaged, superagers also tend to have active social lives, whether through work, hobbies, or volunteerism. One characteristic we often see in superagers is that they do stay active socially, and they report strong social relationships with others, Rogalski says. Studies have repeatedly shown the importance of maintaining social networks for overall physical and mental well-being as people age. So relaunch that weekly bridge group that took a hiatus during the pandemic, start a text chain to reconnect with friends from college, volunteer to cuddle babies in the NICU. As you see your social groups broaden, you might notice you reach for the ibuprofen less. One 2016 study showed people with strong social ties were able to tolerate physical pain more easily. 14. Teach your mind to wander positively. Too often, when thoughts wander, they go to worries or to-do inventories in your head. But if you can teach yourself to think positively when you daydream, you might begin to actually enjoy letting your mind meander from time to time. In a 2021 study, researchers set out to discover what makes thinking for pleasure pleasurable. What they found might surprise you. When people were instructed to dwell on thoughts that were both pleasurable and meaningful, such as a special memory, an accomplishment, or an upcoming long-awaited vacation, they enjoyed their daydream session 50% more than when they were left to think about planning their day. 15. Practice kind self-affirmations. What do you think to yourself when you first check yourself out in the morning? Is it a kind thought or a hurtful one? If your default is to be self-deprecating and critical, try to break this cycle. Instead, focus on the things you love about yourself, not just physical things, but aspects of your personality and talents as well, as you brush your teeth each morning. Studies have shown such self-affirmation practices may reduce stress, decrease temptation to binge on unhealthy snacks, and boost overall physical well-being. 16. Find the glass half full. Speaking of positivity, it appears having an optimistic mindset about life in general can be a smart self-care strategy. Studies show optimists tend to sleep better, have healthier hearts, and a lower risk of stroke. In general, optimistic people tend to be healthier as they age and may even live longer than their pessimistic counterparts, recent research suggests. Not sure how to be more positive? Start by imagining your best possible self in future work and life scenarios. Journal for 15 minutes daily about your goals and what it would look like if your ideal future came to be true. Research shows such brainstorming is an effective tool to boost optimism because it trains your brain to imagine positive outcomes rather than defaulting to worst-case scenarios. 17. Clean and declutter your space. You might not think immediately of tidying as self-care, 
But your physical environment can have a direct and immediate effect on your mental well-being. So a day spent decluttering can provide a real boost to your mood. We walk into our homes and our minds are busy with other things, so we start to ignore our physical space. But when we ignore our space, in a way we're actually ignoring our own self-care, says Stacy Scott, who runs Sanctuary Feng Shui in Washington, D.C. By cleaning, you're putting love, attention, and adoration back into your home, and by extension, back into yourself, Scott says. Start small. Clean off the pile of papers on the dining room table or discard the outdated condiments in the fridge. Don't be surprised if the clutter-free spaces make you feel less anxious and more energized. 18. Find a signature scent. Scents can evoke powerful memories and affect our mood. Just look to the growth of the billion-dollar aromatherapy industry, which includes essential oils, candles, fragrances, body care products, and even car air fresheners. Scents have a powerful ability to affect our mood because there are direct connections between the olfactory bulb and the limbic areas of the brain, such as the amygdala and hippocampus, which are associated with mood as well as emotional memories, explains Wolf, who is currently engaged in research at Rensselaer on mindful sniffing as a tool for stress reduction. So go ahead, trek to the candle aisle, and choose a few with scents you associate with good feelings or fond memories. Like other mindful practices, the biggest benefits of mindful sniffing are likely to occur when the practice happens daily, even if for minutes at a time, Walt says. 19. Laugh more. It's difficult to feel bad when something's just tickled your funny bone. Studies show laughing can reduce stress, boost mental health, and improve sleep quality. So make it a priority to laugh more. Find the humorous in the day-to-day. And even if you're not feeling funny, make yourself laugh anyway. Cue up a cute animal video on YouTube or tell a co-worker a corny knock-knock joke. Laugh three times a day to keep the bad vibes away. Simulate laughter in the beginning, middle, and end of each day. Suggests Melanin B, a laugh yoga instructor and CEO of laughter therapy company Holistically Hilarious LLC. Inducing laughter to produce feel-good chemicals, endorphins, is even more important on the days that are emotionally sad and difficult, she says. 20. Find your favorite poem. Perhaps you've never been a poetry fan, but maybe this is the moment in your life to give the genre another look. Particularly if you're going through a sad or challenging life patch, poems can be a balm says psychiatrist Norman Rosenthal, M.D., author of the recent book Poetry Rx, How 50 Inspiring Poems Can Heal and Bring Joy to Your Life. A poem can connect with the reader in many ways that offer comfort, relief, joy, and inspiration, Rosenthal says. A poem can also suggest strategies for dealing with life's difficulties. 21. Do a good deed. Performing certain acts of kindness can be good for your health. Research has shown time and again that acts of charity and altruism benefit the giver, both emotionally and physically. And the more direct and connected, the better, such as helping someone carry groceries or lending a hand on a project. Don't just think of how others can serve you, but consider how you can serve others, 
says Stephen G. Post, Professor and Director of the Center for Medical Humanities, Compassionate Care, and Bioethics at Stony Brook University in New York. Do something that floats your boat and that uses your talents, Post suggests. And this concludes the reading of the AARP Magazine and Bulletin. We hope you found these articles interesting and informative. And if you have any questions or comments about this broadcast, please call Radio I at 859-422-6390. Your reader has been Bill Van Arstel. Next, please stay tuned for Health Corner on Radio I.